the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. everyone. Welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. My name is Alex Fitton, and I am thrilled to be bringing you another week of inspiration and encouragement right to your eardrums. You can find me on Facebook at Alex Fitton and the Adoptive Mom Podcast and on Instagram at the Adoptive Mom. This is season six, episode five, which makes episode 83 overall. You guys were just inching toward 100. I can't wait. Y'all, today we get to listen in on a conversation I had with Allison England. Allison lives in Phoenix, Arizona, and is the author of Tandem, a devotional for adopting with God in the lead. She and her husband of 23 years have three kids, two bio, and one adopted. Before we go here, the amazing conversation with the incredibly wise Allison England, I want to ask you guys, are we in a committed relationship? And by that, I mean, are you subscribed to AMP in all the places? If not, I would just love it if you would take the next step and hit the subscribe button wherever you like to listen, including YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. I mean, you can even subscribe on the adoptivemompodcast.com if you're the type that likes to listen on a web browser. So I'm accessible all the places. So let's take our relationship to the next level, you guys. And let's also go talk to Miss Allison England. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Adopted Mom Podcast and a special welcome to my guest today, Miss Allison England. How are you doing? I am doing great. Thank you. So great to be here this morning. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to get to talk to you. I've listened to you, like I said, on other podcasts, and I am super excited to have you on the Adoptive Mom Podcast. And I'm really excited to learn about all the many hats you wear because I was reading your bio and you just have a lot going on over there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sometimes too much. So, um, but no, yeah, I'm really uh, just thankful. And thank you for the invite. You have an amazing podcast. I'm really, really just very thankful. Oh, well, thank you so much. And on that note, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So uh, my name is Allison England and uh, I have, I'm a mom, I guess, first and foremost, I have three kiddos. Um, And my oldest is 19 and in college, which is totally freaking me out. And uh, I have another child who's 16, um, my boy. And then um, my youngest is, oh my gosh, she's eight now. And, um, and she is adopted. She, she was adopted. So um, those are my three kids. I am married to, my husband, Joel, and we've been together for 23 years. Um, and I, you're right. I do wear kind of a lot of hats. So I am a professor at Arizona state university. I teach in the, uh, in the college of social work. And I also am an author. So I wrote a book in adoption called tandem adopting with God in the lead. 
Yes. And we're going to talk all about that book, but I, so how do you keep all of that separate? Cause I know that, like I said, I mean, you have like a, you know, like a real job or whatever, and then you have all these <laughs> passions, which are also a real job, but how do you keep those, uh, separate? How do you keep those, um, just like organized? Cause I feel like I would go insane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's a little bit of a juggling act and, uh, I'm, I think one thing that is super helpful is, um, like you just said, keeping organized. We have, you know, I have like a very large calendar and, um, that, you know, just trying as much as I can keep things rolling, but with three kids and just their schedules and like taxing, you know, people around and going to after school activities. Um, you know, I do try and, um, prioritize my kids. So luckily I'm in a job where I can kind of schedule my courses that I teach at the college, um, to kind of coordinate with my schedule. And, um, it's nice. It's nice to be able to set those boundaries and say, Hey, like I can't teach that course because it gets out too late. I have to pick up my child at two fifteen. you know? Now, um, so, uh, I've been able to kind of juggle and, and make things work schedule wise, but, but you're right. It's a lot. And, um, but you know, we just kind of keep on checking and, and doing my thing. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like you have a good, um, something that I need to learn, which is like when to say no. Um, and so just knowing <laughs> your limits. Uh, but that is another conversation for another time. I want to, but you know, I want to talk all about your ministry and what you do for adoptive moms. But first I want to hear your adoption story. So can you just walk us through like what led you to this and how you got her home and all of it? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, uh, first of all, I, I love to tell uh, our adoption story. I was thinking about this this morning that um, I, I think for about probably three years after we adopted, I could not even tell this story without totally crying. Um, so I'm going to try and keep it together here as, as I go through it. Uh, and I think, it, you know, it's just it's an emotional thing. And um, and I am so overwhelmed when I share the story because every time I think, I think I see new things in our story that just blow me away. So, uh, so yeah, let me just start from the beginning. Uh, our, our journey began, uh, really on an old country road, which I love to kind of rewind in my brain to, to that day because it is, uh, so seared in my memory. Uh, my, my youngest, uh, I'm sorry, my oldest child was in kindergarten at the time. And so I had Kelsey who was in kindergarten and Alex was in preschool and it was seriously just like a normal day. We got up, had some breakfast, you know, drove the kids to school. Um, and then I was volunteering in Kelsey's class and, uh, and this is in just to give you a little bit of context, mountain home, Idaho, which contrary to its name has seriously no mountains <laughs> out in the middle of like nowhere. Um, totally rural. And so, uh, I was in Kelsey's classroom and, uh, she had a very sweet, sweet friend. Her name was Ava. I mean, just a beautiful girl who st stood out among the other children. She was extraordinarily kind, you know, the, the, the girl who, when someone scrapes their knee, like goes over and immediately gets a band aid. super sweet. And 
it was a day that I was in the classroom and she walked in with a broken arm. And uh, because Kelsey had, she had known her for a little while and she had begged me for uh, like a play date with her. And so um, had asked the teacher, hey, you know, I'd like to talk to the you know, her parents and see if we could coordinate it and, um, learned later on that she was, uh, in foster care. And so when she walked in and her arm was broken, um, you know, I heard overheard a conversation between a teacher and what, what I figured was probably a social worker talking about how she was going to be moving. Uh, and immediately because my background is in social work, I realized that, uh, probably the environment that she was currently in was not a safe one. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I choked back my tears. Um, I saw that little girl standing in a hallway, not fully knowing what was going to happen, but knowing that her future was uncertain, you know, and, and the issues that she potentially faced. And, what I wanted to do was like jump in, you know, and just be like, okay, you know, we can do this. And, and uh, but I also knew we were, we were military. And um, so a little background there, we're, we're a military family. My husband served in the air force for 21 years. And so, you know, our moves were ex- very frequent and, you know, this all runs through my head and like, one second flat, like, could we foster? Like how, how long would that take? And, and could we get qualified in time and all that? And I knew that, um, our impending move would not allow for that. So uh, I got in the car that day, drove home. My heart was just so uh, heavy for her. And, uh, it was, it was that feeling of heaviness where like everything just kind of goes blank and my body just felt numb. And in the midst of this rural drive home, really there's nothing on either side. I heard something that absolutely just changed everything. Um, God's voice clearly said, you will adopt one of mine. I actually answered out loud. Oh, okay. And I kind of like muttered it. And then again, you know, I said, okay, but this time a little bit more like, um, emphatically. And then my last, okay was like, okay. And I mean, that was it. You know, that was, that was the, the moment that I knew, um, we would adopt it was uh, clearly a, a road um, that went well beyond that day. Um, actually, from that day until the time we adopted was um, till the time we adopted Annika was was five years. Wow. Um, yeah, a lot of hurdles, you know. Um, during that during that journey, uh, you know, the first of which was like, how do I tell my husband this? <laughs> you know. <laughs> And, uh, so, um, (laughs) it is a big one. You know, we drove home that day. I got home. I was like, okay, you know, just, I was so overwhelmed and emotional and Joel came home from work and I, you know, kind of just threw it all out there and, 
he was super kind and, um, and he's, he's patient and he gave me a hug, kind of that hug of like, okay, so I love you. And, <laughs> and, and he said, let's pray about this. And I was like, okay, okay. That was a good start. Um, but it did take him a while to, to really come to the same place that I was. And, and so, uh, but he eventually did hop on board and, um, in the book, I talk a lot about, about that process because I think that is, you know, it's a sticking piece. I think for, um, a lot of couples is not being in the same place at the same time. Yeah. And, you know, how do you get through that with, with, um, with kind of grace and, and, um, (laughs) I actually remember there was a point in, in our journey where I was so frustrated because we just weren't seeing eye to eye on it. And, uh, he had really good reasons too. I mean, you know, my husband, I think very differently, but, um, but you know, his concept was like, dude, how old am I going to be when, when this child is in high school, right? Like he's thinking like (laughs) down the line, you know, I'm just thinking today, like, no, we're adopting like today. Um, but anyway, there was a point I was, I was kind of frustrated. And I remember, um, talking to, uh, to one of our pastors and I went into her office and I'm like, so like, really, how important is it that we're on board with this thing together? (laughs) (laughs) Can I just go forward? (laughs) You know, but it was seriously like a legitimate question. I'm like, really? Like, you know, how important is it? And, uh, luckily she gave me very good counsel. And, um, but you know, I talk, I talk a lot about that in, in, um, tandem because I think, uh, being in that same place together is important. Um, but anyway, so that was our start and, uh, you know, moving forward, there were a lot of kind of potholes along the way. Um, things that I didn't anticipate. I I think a couple years after, it was about two years after that initial um, old country road, um, you know, calling. And we had had, I think, one move, my husband deployed uh, to the Middle East. And then I was diagnosed with like a raging fibroid and um, had to have a hysterectomy. And so... Um, so all this had transpired in kind of this short period of time, but in the background and, you know, and honestly not a day had gone by that I hadn't felt that, that nudge of you will adopt one of mine. Like it, it, every day I felt it. And so I'm like sitting in my, in my, um, kitchen and, at this point I'm having like hot flashes cause my hormones are completely off. It was just like horrible. And, um, and I'm sitting there and I start kind of going over in my head that like going down that boohoo road, like, I don't get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Lord, like you called me to adopt. And now, now this, you know, like all these things have happened. I don't like, how, how am I supposed to adopt? How are we supposed to adopt? You know, with all this. And, um, in three words came into my head that I grabbed onto so tight and, and carried with me the rest of our adoption um, journey. And that was peace, patience, and trust. And I just felt that 
one um, that that I could have peace in this process, you know, mm-hmm. um, that there, that I had been feeling like so much anxiety that I think um, I realized like I can have peace, but it's going to take me having patience um, and to trust, you know, to trust that that this will happen. And, and this is one thing that I really I mean, if I can communicate anything today uh, to to your listeners um, and to prospective adoptive parents, it's this, that I truly believe if you want to adopt, you will adopt. Adoption is certain. You just have to hang in there long enough. I love that. And like that, that's where I was at, you know, was that long enough part. Mm. Wow. That's, I mean, then that's super powerful. And you know, that, that, so, so that piece of then how do you, how do you hang in there long enough? You know, <laughs> like, like, uh, that is a trick. And I do want to say, you know, I, I, I talked just a minute ago about, um, having a hysterectomy and, and, and um, you know, just, having a fibroid and feeling so, so sick for, for a while. Um, but, but a lot of people land, you know, here in, in the place of adoption, um, because of infertility. And I do want to emphasize that, that going through, I think going through infertility treatments and, um, adoption is different and that certainty with adoption is, is also different. Um, and so, and so the question becomes like, well, how do you hang in there long enough? And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, let me just, this, this is the best way that I can kind of describe how to hang in there long enough is it, it actually happened, um, on a vacation with, with our family and uh, we were going through the process of adoption. And I was just trying to like figure out like, man, how am I going to make it through this? You know? And, and so we had, we, every summer, our family, since I was like a little kid, uh, I grew up in California and we'd always go to a little place called Catalina Island. And it is a small island off the, off the California coast, about 26 miles off the coast. And when I was a kid, we used to go there during the summer, like, we'd, I mean, seriously pack up like a little red wagon and we'd get on this barge. We used to call it the barf barge. It was horrible. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, once you get there, it's really great. <laughs> and so, uh, so we headed over there like we always do. And my son, uh, at the time was about eight and, and the, the, little area of Avalon is super cute. It has, um, like pedestrian walkways and just a lot of bikes and hardly any cars. And so I had invited Alex, uh, on this trip to go on a tandem bike ride. They have a really cute rental shop. And so, um, we rented a tandem bike and a couple of things. I mean, one, you have to understand Alex. He is, uh, he's a thinker. Like when that kid was like, two or three years old in the backseat, I'd look back and he'd be in his little car seat, staring out the window, contemplating life. I swear. Um, (laughs) it was so just, he's a thinker. So 
we got the tandem bike. I hopped on the front and he hopped on the back. And when I knew the minute he got on that bike and realized the back handlebars don't turn on a tandem bike, I knew he was going to be totally disturbed. So, yeah. So sure enough, he hopped on. He's like, Hey mom, like the handlebars are broken. I'm like, Nope, not really. Actually, those don't. Yeah. So, um, so I'm like, look, you're going to have to trust me. Um, you know, all you have to do is pedal. And so we started off and, and, you know, sitting in the back seat of a tandem bike, you pedal, but you also, uh, it's also hard to see sometimes, right? Because of the person in front of you. And so we're going along and we're coming to a hill and I'm like, I start yelling back because there's no gears on this thing either. So like when you go up a hill, you really have to pedal. So I yell back, Alex, dude, you got to pedal hard. Like we're not going to make it to the top of this hill. And so he's yelling back, mom, come on, where are we going? I'm like, just trust me. I know where we're going. Pedal hard, would you? And, uh, and so we're pedaling up the top of the hill. We crest the hill, we turn and we get to a place where as a kid, I, it was almost a sacred place. We turn and this cove is right here and we're pedaling along and the water in Catalina is like crystal clear. And down below is the kelp that's just swaying back and forth and these like bright orange Garibaldi fish. And I, and we stop the bike and, and he puts his feet down and I said, Alex, was that worth the ride? And he's like, yes, yes. Here's the thing. Taking the back seat like Alex did, it's, it's super hard. It's very uncomfortable. You can't steer. You can't see ahead. So it requires the ultimate trust in your driver. And this is, I really believe this bike ride revealed to me how it is um, with God. Like you, ha- you're trusting God to be in the driver's seat and to lead you down this path of adoption. And it sometimes does not feel comfortable, um, and you have to pedal hard. I mean, the adoption process is not easy. It's a lot of work, right? There's a lot to it. There's a lot of potholes that, you know, you, ju- you just, you, you have to pedal. Um, but it's hard because we're human and we want to be in control. And, and so, I mean, there are a lot of times on our journey that I was seriously bargaining with the Lord. I'm like, okay, if you could just let me be in charge for a few minutes here, like, <laughs> I'll let you know where I think we should go. Um, and, uh, and so, and so I think, um, that tandem bike ride is, is, is a prime example of, um, what it takes to hang in there long enough, because when you trust, um, there's, a, when you trust in the Lord to make it to, um, to the end of this journey, um, that's when you can start kind of releasing some of that anxiety and doubt and know that it's going to happen. Wow. So, and, 
you know, I, I, I love the example, um, too, of, uh, in the, it, Abraham, you know, in the old Testament, like God had asked him to go to a place, right. Where he would later receive his inheritance. And the, the words that really stuck out to me was he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Um, and, and that is it with adoption. Um, it, and I've been a social worker too in adoption. So I've seen so, so many adoption cases and the twists and turns of, of adoption are, are really quite extraordinary. And, um, and so going, just making that leap and going, uh, not knowing, you know, what the ultimate, um, outcome will look like. Uh, it's a tough one. It's a tough one, but, um, but I just truly want to just like encourage people who are in this place right now, thinking about adoption or on the journey and experiencing kind of the ups and downs of it, that, um, that, you know, that, that, that trust factor is, is super key. Yeah. It's super, and it's really hard in that place to, um, I don't know. I mean, I think that especially for the controlling types, which I am, it's hard to, um, I don't know. It's hard to keep that up every single day. Cause I think you have these moments where you're like, Oh, I get it. I just need to trust God or whatever. And then the next day you're right back to where you started, where, which is like anxiety and just like, Oh, I've got to do all these things or else everything's going to fall apart. And I feel like that's a lesson we have to relearn constantly. Yeah. And you know, I, I, you brought up like I have to do all these things. It's, it's true because there, there's so many steps in the adoption process. You have the home study and, uh, you know, you have doing your profile or, um, you know, once you are matched and like, um, expectant mom communication, like, how do I do that? There's all these pieces that you're actively doing. It's kind of like the pedaling part, but then, like you said, there's kind of this umbrella of anxiety, right? Am I doing this right? Will, will this work? Um, and so, yeah, yeah, it is kind of a, it is a, it's a constant struggle. Yeah. So, okay. Um, so bring us to now what, um, once you, you're at this cove, you're at this place and, and you're, you know, God is teaching you these lessons. What happened next? So, uh, what happened next is Joel and I, um, eventually did get on the same page and, uh, and we really kind of took a good amount of time to do our homework, right? Like what route were we going to take that made sense for our family? And so did a lot of homework, uh, agencies, international, domestic, foster, like just went through everything, um, we were in a little bit of a unique situation in that we were military. And so like our timelines were kind of, um, they were important for us because uh, of the frequent moves. We didn't want to have to redo a home study in a different state and start over. So that was one thing that we really had to uh, make a special consideration for. And so bottom line, we landed in an adoption attorney's office uh, in DC and, and really felt the best match for us was to do independent adoption, which 
a lot of people, I think, term it like self-matching and or private adoption, um, but they're all pretty much the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we started to spread the word about us wanting to adopt and uh, decided to do it that way. And we were matched with an expected mom in Wisconsin. And, uh, and so that like pretty much the, from the time that we decided to do independent adoption and started, uh, telling our friends, our family, et cetera, about that decision, it was exactly one year, exactly one year that we had Annika in our arms. Wow. And, and, uh, it, it, uh, I felt really, you know, there's always, I think some, pluses and cons to the timing of things. But we, we met our, our birth mom quite early in her pregnancy and we were able to establish um, a really positive relationship with her and trekked through, I guess, probably six or seven months of that pregnancy. Um, together, um, in communication. And even though we didn't live in the same state, uh, I flew out a few times, including the ultrasound and got to see Annika, uh, you know, holding hands with our, our, um, our expectant mom, seeing her for the first time. I mean, oh, those moments, um, see, I told you I was going to cry. Ooh. <laughs> I but, yeah, love it. Uh, they're so powerful, so powerful. Um, Annika came a little early, <laughs> and so we were uh, not fully um, prepared. Although I think our hearts were very much prepared, but like the suitcases definitely were not packed. And so when we got the call that our, our birth mom was in labor, we had to kind of scurry to get things together. And, uh, we rolled out very early in the morning, um, just a few hours after she had called us and trekked through an airport with an empty stroller, which is always a weird thing. (laughs) Like what the (laughs) heck we had so many people look at us like, are you missing your baby? (laughs) We're like, Nope, just going to get her. And, um, and so we got, we actually made it in the dead of winter to the hospital within about an hour of her being born and, and to be in the room with our birth mom and birth dad, Joel and I, uh, we were part of, you know, the labor and delivery process with her. And Annika was born super like healthy crying, you know, just, just so good. So good to hear her first little cries. It was, it was, it was in that room though, that I didn't fully anticipate the feelings that I would have. Um, clearly it was like one of the most joyful moments of my life, of Joel's life. And 
but to be in a place that was um, so juxtaposed to our birth mom and birth dad, right? I mean, while they were joyful for the birth of Annika, like they were, they were in a place of loss and we were in a place of gain. And, um, you know, uh, just that, it, it just kind of really washed over me. Like, how can I ever repay this gift? Right. Just, and, um, I held Annika in, in, um, Selfishly did not want to share her, but I did. <laughs> okay. Joel's turn. And he held her and I could tell he, he was feeling the same way I was. And he did something, um, as he was holding her, he looked up at our birth mom and he said, thank you. And it was such a simple inadequate statement but that like that was that was it you know was just the gratitude that we had you know for her choice for adoption she had a lot of choices that she could have made and she made the choice for adoption and um you know that is something that we will always always be thankful for um and so it was an emotional, wonderful start to her life, uh, where, you know, four people in the same room gave her just so much, so much love, so much preparation for her coming. And, um, it was good. It Mm. was really good. Yeah. (sighs) That's just, it's so amazing. And I love getting to, you know, I know that so many of you are, well, all of you are listening to her story, but being able to watch her tell her story is uh, really powerful. And I think one of the biggest things I notice when you're telling this is um, how much you cherished all of those emotions, all of those feelings and all of those moments. And I don't just mean cherished in the, um, you know, rose colored glasses way, like everything's great and positive, but that you 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 know they made an impact on your your whole being that you can feel it when you think about it um and i think that for so many of us we allow those things to wash over us we don't lean into those feelings um i don't know why why do you <clears throat> excuse me why why do you think you did why do you think you do that or did that so you know, I part of the challenge of adoption is allowing yourself to feel, mm-hmm. right? Because it is natural and it is uh, self-preserving to put a guard up, and and <clears throat> I think the benefit and and truly the the outcome of, of trusting that there is a plan, like, like for sure there, there's a plan and you will adopt is that it allows that guard and it allowed for me that guard to come down that I could give myself permission to be in the moment and experience joy to the fullest 
um, fear also still, you know, as much as I tried to not have fear, sometimes it would creep in. Um, but, but that, but that joy, uh, you know, that was really like a, a choice to not have my guard up and, and to allow that. And, you know, those first couple days after Annika was born, actually it was that, it was that very first day. And another thing happened that I totally did not exactly anticipate. And it's funny because for all the planning that you do for adoption, (laughs) you know, you're like, let's see, do I have like the diapers and, you know, do we have all the paperwork and do we talk to our lawyers and, you know, like all, like all the moving pieces, like it's an incredibly logistical process. But again, what, what I didn't fully anticipate was that first day after she was born, we had Annika uh, just a few rooms down. Our, our birth mom was recovering and she was very gracious to allow us to have some time with her. In, in the state of Wisconsin, consents aren't signed uh, usually up until almost like the 30-day marker. It's a long consent period, which means it's, it's an at-risk placement in that, you know, she could change her mind at any point during those first, like whatever, couple weeks up to 30 days. And so knowing that again, there was that potential to still have a guard up, like, gosh, like Annika actually still like, isn't ours, you know, until those consents are signed. And so it was that first day that holding her, I, you know, I looked into the sweet, sweet eyes and I said, I love you. I love you. And, and my husband did too. It was funny because we didn't even talk about it until like, I think later that night that, that we both shared the same thing, but it was a choice, uh, that, that we made to, to love her, to be fully invested, uh, in, in this little girl. And, um, and so I think, I, I think that guard is, is kind of what, what, um, that trust allows you to take down the guard. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. So, okay. So fast forwarding a little bit, at what point did you feel this, this, uh, this calling that this was going to be a ministry for you, that this was going to be something that didn't end with your story, uh, or Annika's story? About time that Annika was done potty training, (laughs) I'm like, that's, I think when it started. No, uh, I did like, you know, it's a lot having a baby. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, it's, it's definitely a full up, you know, no sleep, changing diapers, all that. I think infants, I, I, they're just a lot of work. So, um, joyous work, (laughs) but still, uh, no, actually what happened was I, a couple of things happened. One, very often people would ask us about our adoption. And so I would start telling the story and I'd be about three minutes into it. And I would almost just give up. I'm like, 
like in my head, I'm like, how do I tell this? How do I tell our adoption story in five minutes or less? Right. Right. There's no elevator (laughs) pitch. Yeah. (laughs) Like this is impossible, you know? And, and it, and it, and it's such a powerful story that like, I didn't want to leave stuff out. It, It was important to me. So I wasn't quite sure how to remedy that, but I just experienced it again and again. And I went to bed one night and I had a dream and I woke up from that dream and I just said, I'm, I'm going to write, I'm going to just going to write a book about it and help. So casual. Um, I'm just going to write a book. About yeah, it. <laughs> I'm, it was, it was, it was like 3am. I got up, I got out of bed, I came into my office and I started writing and that was it. Um, that's how that started. But I, I really, I, I also kind of reminded myself of how difficult it was during the adoption process and how much I wished I had had something. I, I really needed something to marry up my, uh, our calling for adoption, like the practical pieces of adoption, because adoption is hard. There was so much to learn with adoption. And and the Lord's word, like I needed all three of those things put in one place <laughs> and, and, and some hope, like throw some hope in there, you know? Um, and so, and so that's what I set out to do was to write a devotional that would marry up those three things, the hope, the practical advice and scripture to go along with that. Goodness. Uh, and, and that's so needed and so incredible. Um, and I, I don't know, I, it's very interesting getting to know you just through learning your story because I, I love that you feel all the feels. I love that you, um, you seem like you're just so quick to say yes to what God is asking you to do and act on it. And, um, I don't know. I think that that's so great. I think that there's obviously there's a place for being cautious and there's a place for taking your time, but it seems like you, the times when God said, jump, you jumped. And, you know, everyone who gets to interact with you or read your book or whatever gets gets the benefit of that. That is super sweet. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, one thing that that jumping is hard. Yeah. Um, and, and it definitely, uh, you know, to be in that place to jump is it. it it takes a lot of um, it takes a lot of energy, but I love that you added too that that there's a lot of homework that goes along with it, you know. So to jump, yes, but to jump um, without kind of thinking through the steps, no. Like that is one thing that I I really want to emphasize is that um, you know a a calling to adopt, a nudge to adopt is, you know, yes, absolutely listen. Yes, absolutely um, follow that, but also do your homework. Yeah. And that that both and I think is just missing from uh, so many situations. And um, so I I don't know. I just, I love that your story can be inspiring for, um, for doing that, that both and thing, you know, like, not being impulsive, but not taking too long, not, you know, not jumping before you're ready, but not 
holding back when you should jump, you know, and, and that's so important. And I love that you're able to teach that in, in a lot of different ways, it seems with all of your hats. Um, so <laughs> on that note, though, how can we, uh, how can we buy your book? How can we follow you? Um, and I definitely want to get into the closing questions, but I want to first make sure that everyone knows how to uh, get their hands on your stuff. Yeah. So super simple tandem adopting with God in the lead is on Amazon. So, uh, so that's, that, that, uh, that's where you can find it. You can follow me on Instagram at writing tandem and also on Facebook at adoption Devo. So those are the ways to follow me. I do have a super cool closed Facebook group um, just for tandem. Yeah, just for tandem readers. So you can get the access info in the book. And we have a really neat closed group um, that I do like live videos and answer questions and things like that. So um, yeah, so that has actually been really one of the most, um, for me, like fun pieces of, of writing tandem has been the interaction with my readers. Totally, totally love it. Yes. Okay. Well, and I, you know, getting the inside scoop or exclusive, you know, entrance is a big deal. So you guys definitely go get the book, join the Facebook group. Being a part of a club is always fun and having community is always so huge. Um, yeah. Okay. And I'll definitely have links to all of that in the show notes, but Miss Allison, are you ready to get into some of these closing questions? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. What do you wish you had known at the beginning of this journey? At the beginning of this journey, I wish I would have known, um, I wish I would have known that everything I believed would happen would happen. I love that. It's so simple, but so uh, just impactful. So, um, what do you wish you had done differently? Hmm. What I wish I would have done differently is, um, oh gosh, is there anything I would have wished I would have done differently? Um, I wish I would have looked into kind of the post pieces a little bit more, right? Like, like how do you have communication with, you know, birth mom, like afterwards. Um, right. So yeah, probably would have done a little bit more research on that. <laughs> That's like, it's yeah. Super practical. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So this next question is a two parter. What are the best and worst ways that you were supported through your journey into now? Oh, the best way I was supported was people being there, like mm. everywhere, <laughs> like in the, in the kindergarten, like pickup line, um, just wherever I was and people asking me like, how are things going with, with your adoption? Like what, what's going on with it? Just opening it up for me to like process through, um, that was super helpful. And then, uh, on the opposite side of things, there were a couple of times that people, it, it was interesting that it was actually people who I was very close to or like a pastor, like someone that you would have thought would not have had this reaction um, that when I 
did share about our adoption, um, they did not share excitement. Mm. <laughs> they shared they shared horror stories, and um, so that was a little that was a little discouraging. Um, I understand it, but um, in that they were trying to look out for our best interest. Um, and I talk a little bit more about that in tandem and kind of how to handle that, but that was a little discouraging. So, yeah. Ooh, yeah. The never, never good. But also I love that your, your best way was just so simple. And I think that a lot of the time people are afraid that they can't do enough. So they just do nothing. And something as simple as just being present is everything. So I love that. Um, okay. So mine, you know, I, I ask guests what their favorite adoption resource is, but yours is your book. So let's just skip that question. <laughs> um, okay. So the last question, if you just had one single piece of advice or encouragement to sum it all up, what would you say for adoptive moms? I would say hop, hop on the back seat and <laughs> grab onto those handlebars, hold on tight girl and start pedaling. Well said, my goodness. Okay. So Dear listeners, we are about to hop on over to the Patreon side of things, and we are going to have a really fun conversation of bonus content. But for now, um, Allison, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Alex. It was so great talking with you. For sure. so much for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I hope you found encouragement here. I need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job. We are all in this together and I am over here cheering you on. Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at the Podcast.com. Thanks for joining us.